0: Hello and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you're tuning in and we hope that you will be empowered and transformed by the word of God. All right, come to me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, and we're going to be going from verses 11 through 19. Ephesians 2 Verses 11 through 19 And I'll be reading from the most holy Most glorious version the New American Standard (laughs) That was for you Pastor Brandon (laughs) And it reads Therefore remember that formerly you The Gentiles in the flesh Who are called uncircumcision by the so called circumcision Which is performed in the flesh by human hands Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, someone say, But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that in himself, he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him. We both have our access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, But you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Tonight, let's talk about being no longer strangers. No longer strangers. The past three weeks, we have been in a message series entitled Revolutionary. Now, by show of hands, and don't lie, because God is watching you. How many of you have enjoyed (laughs) the message series? Now, Pastor Brandon put in all this work, so y'all better raise your hand. <laughs> amen. Amen. And so the premise of this message series has been talking about examining teaching how Jesus' death and resurrection changed the course of history forever. Not just American history, British history, French history, universal history. It changed, it shifted this whole entire universe into a new paradigm. And The message, the emphasis, the heavy emphasis of these past couple messages has been showing you how his death and resurrection changed the course of history as it pertains to man's relation to God. Tonight, I want to go deeper and show you how his death and resurrection changed the course of history as it pertains to the relations between humanity, specifically the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, when we talk about the Jews and the Gentiles, because it has such a historical significance, sometimes we don't treat it with as much value. It's like Jews and Gentiles. That was so long ago. People don't understand the significance of what Jesus' death and resurrection did as it became to those two parties. Because whether or not you are either a Jew or you're a Gentile. And so, this wasn't just something that happened two thousand years ago. Their lineage goes all the way on to today. And so, there is practical application. There is relevance to you today, Whether regardless of you are Jew or Gentile. This topic matters to you. It matters to you. Hey guys, my name is Elder Boomy, and what I need you to do, like right now, is stop whatever you're doing and head on over to our YouTube channel, Transformation Christian Fellowship TV. Hit that subscribe button and also sign up for our notifications so you'll also see whenever we drop a new video. But feel free to go through our videos and see our sermons, our Bible study, and the check-in and other inspirational content. Again, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and don't forget, transformation starts here. And so tonight, we are in the book of Ephesians. And so our main city, we are in a city called Ephesus. It's located in Asia. It's actually the capital of what was the capital of the Roman province of Asia. It was one of the seven churches that John mentioned in the book of Revelation. And the demographic of Ephesus at this time included Jews and Gentiles. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul goes to Ephesus, he goes into the synagogue, he preaches. And then when they don't feel like listening to him, he goes into the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And the Bible says that this continued for two years so that all the inhabitants of Asia, Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now you have to understand why the gospel reaching this part of the world, Asia, was so prevalent, was so important, excuse me, because Asia, excuse me, specifically Ephesus, was home to the temple of the Greek goddess Artemis. And so the Greeks were very, very, very deeply invested into Greek mythology. And so this is why the gospel had to go out, because they were believing in false gods. And so that's why Paul, he started off in the synagogue telling them, you guys need to believe on the son, believe in Jesus Christ. These gods and these goddesses that you're believing in, there's no hope for you if you believe in them. And then when after he's reasoning, after they get tired of them, he goes into a lecture hall and he says, the Bible says he continued this for two years so that all. All who were in Asia, not just in Ephesus, but all that who were in Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now, this Greeks here in this verse is talking about inhabitants of Greece or Greek speaking people, um, non-Jews and Jews, because they were Jews that spoke Greek. They were called Hellenistic Jews. They were Jews that were born outside the Holy Land who spoke the Greek language. And so, again, you got Jews and Gentiles immersed in the Greek culture. And again, this Greek culture is not founded in the gospels, (laughs) not founded in the good news. So it had to pierce through. One of the major important cities was Ephesus. It had to pierce through of all the Greek mythology that was going on. And so in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he begins in chapter one, he says, to the saints who are at Ephesus. So he begins with the universal greeting to all believers. And then he shifts his attention to the Gentiles here in chapter two. If anybody doesn't know, a Gentile is a non-Jew. And so he starts out saying to the saints, whether you Jew or Gentile, to the saints who are at Ephesus, the holy ones. And then beginning with chapter two, he shifts his attention to the Gentiles. And so here it goes. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. When he says Gentiles in the flesh, he's talking about how they were born. You were born non-Jews. And he points them to this debacle between the Jews and the Gentiles. You were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision. In Genesis chapter 17, God instructs Abraham. He says, Abraham, as a sign of the covenant between you and my people, I want you to circumcise all the males at eight days old. And this law became instituted in Leviticus 12. Now, this law was a purification law. It had everything to do with cleanliness. And so the Jews, they looked at it as, oh, we're circumcised, so we're clean. And so by default, anybody who was not circumcised was considered unclean. So to be called uncir- uncircumcision was be, was the equivalent of me calling you dirty. So me calling you uncons- uncircumcision or calling you uncircumcised was the equivalent of me calling you unclean. And so this is what they called them. And so P- Paul, excuse me, he emphasizes that The circumcision is performed in the flesh by human hands. These Jews were circumcised physically, not spiritually. And so that's why he threw a little shade. He was like, so-called circumcision. You guys take pride in this sign. You take pride in the fact that you're circumcised but spiritual has no spiritual significance to you. Your hearts are not circumcised. What does it mean to be physically circumcised if your hearts are not circumcised? What does it mean to take pride in this external demonstration if it has no internal value? And so he says to them, what he points out is that also he points out that physical circumcision was not a sign of faith. In Romans chapter 4, Paul says that Oh, yes, Paul. When Paul says that Abraham believed the Lord and he counted him as righteousness, Paul says this happened when he was uncircumcised so that he might become the father of those who are uncircumcised and believe on in the faith and that he might also become the father of those who were circumcised, who demonstrated the same faith that Abraham did. So this circumcision was just a sign of the covenant. It did not indicate that these Jews actually had faith. And so what Paul is calling them out is you guys are taking so much pride in calling them uncircumcised, unclean. You guys haven't even checked your own hearts. You guys haven't even consecrated yourselves to the Lord. And yet you're calling them out. This is what Paul is saying. It's a sign of the covenant. It was no indication that they individually had faith. And so verse 12, he says, remember, tell your neighbor, remember. Remember, at that time, you were separate from Christ. This wasn't just speaking relationally in terms of before they met Jesus, before they came into the faith. This also spoke culturally. Jesus was the Messiah. He was a Jewish Messiah. The Jews were anticipating their Messiah to come into the world and to save them. But if he's a Jewish Messiah, if salvation is from the Jews, what hope do the Gentiles have? What hope do the Gentiles have of being redeemed, of being saved, if the Messiah is coming, is a Jewish one? They had no connection to Jesus, presumably. And then he also goes on to say, you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Again, they were uncircumcised. They were not Jews. Now, let me tell you how harsh the Jews were. They even excluded the Samaritans. The Samaritans were half-Jew, but they hated the Samaritans so much because they were a half-breed. So Israel was so particular. They didn't like non-Jews. They didn't like people who was uncircumcised. They didn't like people who was half-Jews because they considered half-breeds, unclean. They just didn't like a whole lot of people. (laughs) And so he says, you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. He says, you were strangers to the covenants of promise. The covenants that God made in Old Testament were made to Israel. So Gentiles had no connection. What about the promises? What about the covenant? They had no partaking, no share in those covenants. They had no hope. I'll tell your neighbor, that's dark. He had they had no hope, and they were living without God in the world. Not that God was removed from the world, but that they were living in the world without God for themselves, yeah. which is a lot of people. In the world without God. And so he says, remember, remember. That at that time you were, which is past tense. And so a lot of people will ask, why did God choose Israel? I mean, out of all the people, why did God point his hand and pick Abraham? You and your descendants, you're going to be my people. Why them? I will submit to you that we're asking the wrong question. It's not that why would God choose Israel out of all the nations in the world to be his chosen people. Why would a holy and perfect God choose fallen, sinful human beings to be his people anyway? When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, sin entered into the world. It corrupted the world. And so when they reproduced, the seed of man became corrupted, corrupted producing sinful human offspring. So the reality is, is that no man, no group of men warranted to be chosen to be God's people. There was, it could have been the Jebusites. God could have chose the Canaanites. It didn't matter who he picked. None were worthy. To be called his people. And so what this shows us is that God's election was solely according to grace. His unmerited favor. The emphasis is unmerited. They did nothing to merit it, nothing to warrant it. God in his sovereignty looked across all the people in the world. And out of his grace, he said, you guys are going to be my chosen people. Not because you deserved it. Not because I favored you above anybody else in that way. Not because I play favorites. Out of all the people in the world. Because I'm God, because I'm sovereign, because I can do whatever I want to do. I'm choosing you to be my chosen people. Israel did not deserve to be his chosen people. But there was no other nation that deserved to be his people anyway. God's election was solely, somebody say solely, solely according to his grace. So how does Jesus revolutionize Gentile exclusion? How do we move from the Gentiles being excluded to being included? Verse 13, he shed his blood. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is universal. It travels to every depth. Every crevice, every nation, every country, every city, every region, there's no place in this universe that the blood of Jesus, I say Jesus, <laughs> there's no place that the blood of Jesus cannot reach. If I was talking about Confucius, there's no, can't travel nowhere, I'm sorry. And if it travels anywhere, it can't save you. The blood of Jesus saves all, redeems all, heals all, cures all, saves all. The blood of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Last time I checked, the universe didn't shed blood. Universe wasn't crucified on the cross. You know what the universe was doing, y'all? The Bible says in Hebrews that he holds, come on somebody, holds the world together by the word of his power. That's what the universe was doing while Jesus was on the cross. It was sitting there. It wasn't doing nothing. It was being held together by its creator. That's what the universe was doing. The blood of Jesus Christ. Don't you know that the devil's job is to use condemnation to continue to create distance between you In the Lord and in Jesus Christ. Condemnation is meant to draw us farther away. But Romans 8 one says in Christ there is no condemnation. So even though we fall short of his glory. Even though we break the fellowship when we sin. We don't have to stay broken. We don't have to stay in a broken fellowship place. Because the blood has been applied and it covers us and it draws us near. And so for these people, these Gentiles who were considered excluded. Excluded. The blood of Jesus Christ brought them near. It brought them near, not just to the Jews. It brought them near to the person who matters in the first place. It brought them near to Jesus Christ. That's what the blood of Jesus Christ did. He brought all of those who were far off. He brought them near. And then he was also crucified. He was crucified. Come to me, verse 14. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity. Now, you're probably looking at this and saying, well, Dominique, I thought in scripture Jesus said that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. You're absolutely correct. He abolished the enmity not the law, he abolished the enmity, the hostility that the law created between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, some of you are probably asking, well, why would God institute a law of commandments and ordinances that created hostility? You have to understand by distinguishing Israel as his own people, it wouldn't matter if it was Israel, Canaan, it was going to create hostility because the law was designed for his people and everybody on the outside was left excluded so it was going to create hostility anyway but that's fine cuz the law was a temporary fixture it was never meant to be permanent the hostility that the law created the the law the enmity that the law created between the jews and the gentiles it was all supposed to be resolved in Jesus Christ. That was the plan all the long. The law wasn't supposed to be here forever. The law was supposed to point to us. It was supposed to point to Jesus. It was supposed to show the people just how jacked up you were. It was supposed to show them that you weren't going to be able to fulfill every commandment. Don't y'all know that research estimates there were about 613 commandments and ordinances, and that's just an estimate. They could barely keep the 10 commandments together. Can you imagine trying to hold down 613 commandments and ordinances? There was absolutely no way. It was no way that the Jews were going to be able to hold to the laws. No way that the Gentiles were going to be able to hold to the law. It pointed us to Jesus pointed us to a savior who would come in and fulfill the law. And when he came in and satisfied the perfect requirements of the law, he abolished the enmity that the law created between the Jews and the Gentiles. He was crucified. Watch that verse. Go back to it. Verse 15. By abolishing in, and I like how the Amplified Version says, by abolishing in his crucified flesh. He had to be crucified. The only way that this enmity and this hostility was going to be destroyed is if he had to be crucified. That's what it had to happen. And so he abolished the enmity in his crucified flesh. And so by fulfilling the law, by satisfying the perfect requirements, he broke down. Somebody say he broke down. Remember in No More Barriers, we talked about how the veil was torn from top to bottom when Jesus gave up the ghost. This is another barrier that Jesus destroyed. The barrier between God's chosen people and those who were left on the outside. He broke down that barrier. He broke it down. Broke down the barrier of the dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles thus making both groups into one galatians i know that's my favorite book galatians 328 i can't because y'all gonna hold me accountable (laughs) i don't know if i'm getting it done this year only by Jesus' help galatians 328 there's neither jew nor greek there's neither slave nor free There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This verse is not saying that there are not inherent distinctions between the two. What he's saying is that in Christ Jesus, when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to your redemption, you are all one. Not one is favored. No one is playing favors between the two. In Christ Jesus, you are one people. This was God's plan all along. Somebody say God's plan. God's plan. People saying, what a mean God. Why would he choose one people and exclude people? Like I said, no group warranted to be chosen in the first place. But here he establishes his plan by establishing one group to the line of Abraham. He sets it up so that through Jesus everybody can be included. So that in Jesus everybody can be a part of. So that in Jesus everybody can inherit the promises. So that in Jesus everybody can go and get to heaven. So that in Jesus you can have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that in Jesus you can have everything pertaining to life and godliness. So that in Jesus jesus christ all everything somebody say everything so that nothing will be excluded i can't talk about you i can't uh, talk about any other God. but in all these other gods, things are getting excluded these guys can't take care of your salvation these guys can't heal your diseases these guys can't redeem your soul these guys can't do nothing for you but in everything ephesians says he brings it all together in christ jesus one body Ain't that a shame. He did all this work to unite us and we are still fighting today. We are still fighting over petty stuff, over foolish stuff. Don't you know this man was tortured? Don't you man, don't you know he was beaten beyond recognition not just for your sins, but so that you guys can become one people and here we still are arguing. Here we are focused on the things that we don't agree upon instead of focusing on what we do are unified on don't you know that these people outside the walls they don't know who christ is but they look at us arguing over everything we need to promote the one thing that unites us and that's jesus christ i don't care what your political views are where you differ where you differ where you disagree our one unifying factor is jesus the person that so many people are living without. We have him. He unites us. And here we still are yeah, arguing. Yeah, right. yeah. Did all this work. Oh, yeah. I'm up on this cross. Beaten. Pounded. So that y'all two could be one people. Thousands of years later. Still arguing. That's not even my point. But come on, y'all. We got, we got to do better. Right. Got to do better. He said he established peace. Between the Jews and the Gentiles, by breaking down that barrier, he established peace. peace and the Jews, even after that peace being established, still showing hostility towards the Gentiles, Peter being a main culprit, Peter, why are you not eating with the Gentiles? <laughs> you was eating with them when nobody's watching you, and then when the men from James came when your Jewish brothers and sisters came oh, oh, I don't know y'all no more. <laughs> What happened? The unity that he bled and died for. That's right. We're losing it. We're losing hold of it. Because we're so selfish and holding on to things that I'm not saying that don't matter, but in comparison to what unites us. It's not worth the discord when he went through so much work to bring us together. The verse continues, it says that he reconciled both Jews and Gentiles into one body, his church. That's what he says, the word is, he says, you are my body, the body of Christ. I reconciled you both together in one body so that I can then reconcile you back to the father. So I can restore the broken relationship between man and God that Adam and Eve forfeited in the garden. I reconciled you in one, somebody say one, one body. Through the cross, there it is again, there was no other avenue, people. There was no other avenue except crucifixion. There was no way that Jesus was going to be able to accomplish this. Because like O.G. said, God is a God of order. He had to come. He had to take on humanity. He had to take on humanity. He had to die. He had to be crucified in order for all of this to be accomplished, for all of it to be accomplished. Verse 18 says that he came and preached peace. Somebody say peace. Peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. This is from Isaiah 57. The Lord is speaking to his people. He says, peace peace to him who is far and peace to those who are near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. Sure enough, after Jesus died and rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples The Bible says that they were meeting behind locked doors and they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus suddenly stood up among them. He said, peace be with you. (laughs) So after he bled, after he was crucified, after he died, after he was buried, he rose. And he got up as if nothing happened and came to his disciples and told them, peace to you, (laughs) peace to you. Why can we have such peace? Because I am here. I am alive. I am not dead. Your hope was not in vain. I am alive. Peace to you who were near. And peace to those of you who are far. How is this fulfilled? And Acts, when he commissioned them, actually, excuse me, at the end of Luke, going into Acts, go into all the nations. Go into all the nations and preach the good news. So for those who are not a part of Israel, go. Jesus' ministry when he was here was focused on the Jews. He said, I've been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Notice how he said lost sheep. These people were his chosen people and they were still lost. Don't you know you can be in the household and still lost? Don't you know you can still be in the church and still be lost? Don't you know that your grandmother could have been a deaconess? Don't you know that your father could have been a pastor? Don't you know that your mother could have been a worship leader? Don't you know that you could have grew up in church and still be lost? He came and preached peace to those who were far off and to those who were near. Because both of them needed the good news. Both of them needed to know that in Jesus there is completion. So the Jews weren't just favored. No, Jesus said, I'm coming to preach to you too. You guys are my priority. I got to preach to y'all first. But the Gentiles, you guys are not excluded either. He came and preached peace to those who were far off and those who were near. And what what is the great result? Oh, excuse me. Before we get there, we can't forget verse 18. For through him, we both have our access and one spirit to the father. So the Jews don't have their own special way to get to God and the Gentiles don't have their own special way to get to God. The scripture says for through him, Jesus, we both have our access in one spirit to the father. John 14, 6. This scripture never gets old. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Tell your neighbor as loud as you can. No one. No one. No one. <laughs> I don't care if you a Jew, a Gentile, Samaritan, Kojic, Pentecostal, <laughs> Apostolic, Holiness Church, <laughs> Southern Baptist, AME, Methodist, out of all the 15 billion denominations we got no one comes through the father but through me jesus christ now for those y'all who love denominations i probably stepped on your toes but i don't care what denomination you are the scripture says because at that time wasn't even no denominations even back then they was arguing paul was just like you say i'm of apollos i'm a paul he said it don't matter who you from we all connected to Jesus Christ. He said, Apollos watered, I planted the seed, but only God gave the increase. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so what is the result of this revolutionary work that Jesus did on the cross? That's what, I'm sorry, Paul, That's what makes him so revolutionary was the fact that he accomplished this on a cross. Not being regarded as high, not being respected, he accomplished a revolutionary work in humiliation and shame. Where have you heard of that? In humiliation and shame, this man revolutionized history. And so what is the result? He, Paul tells the Gentiles, so then you are no longer, <laughs> no longer strangers and aliens. No but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. So pre-Christ, separate from Christ, in Jesus, they're now in Christ. Not just near the word, the, Paul used near to compare how everybody on the outside was far away and how the Jews were relatively more near because they were God's chosen people. But it's not just about being near. It's about being inside the household. It's about being in. Jesus says that I've given, he told the disciples, I've given you power to trample over scorpions and devils, but don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name is written inside the book of life. Your name got to be in the book. <laughs> Can't be outside the book. <laughs> Can't be on a bookmark. It got to be in the book. It got to be in the book. <laughs> Can't help you. I'm sorry. Got to be in the book. They were excluded before Jesus, excluded from Israel, and now they are included in the new Israel. Don't you know that scripture? For you are a royal people, a chosen generation. That originally came from the book of Isaiah when he was talking to Israel. But now Peter is telling them the new people, the new Israel, that includes Jews and Gentiles alike, all believers, Jew and Gentiles alike, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Don't matter if you Jew or Gentile, if you believe on the son of God, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation a people that have been set apart for Christ. Once strangers... To the covenants of promise. Before Christ, they had no claim to the inheritance. None. Relationally, they weren't Jewish. They had no claim to the promises. But in Christ, they are now partakers in this covenant. Now they inherit the promises. Now they inherit the spiritual blessings. Now they inherit everything because of Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, because I'm a Gentile. I didn't go on Ancestry.com, but I'm pretty sure I don't have no Jew. I'm pretty sure I ain't got no Jewish origin relation to me. So I'm a Gentile. So if I was around, I mean, this is still applicable to now, but historically I didn't have no claim to these promises. I had no claim to the covenant. I had no historical claim to that. But in Christ, I inherit. In Christ, I inherit the promises. In Christ, I inherit the blessings. In Christ Jesus, I inherit it. Having no hope. To being full of hope. Not only did they not know Jesus, but they had no connection. At least the Jews had hope. Because the Messiah was Jewish. Gentiles and had no hope. But in Christ. I'm trying to drive it home to y'all. In Christ. In Christ. Full of hope. They were once without God. Now they are of God's household. They are his children. Once far off. Now they are what? Near. Near. Once there was hostility between them and the Jews. Now there is peace. Peace. And then before they had no access, none. Can you imagine not having no access to God in these times? Can you imagine living with no access to God in these past couple years? Can you imagine having to go and find other people? depend on other people to get you through to God. Can you imagine that? That's why Pastor preached on that, the veil being torn was so significant. I ain't gotta come see you, Otisia. I ain't gotta come see you, Prince. I ain't gotta come see you, Pastor Brandon. I can go to God for myself, because I got him right up in here. I got free, unrestricted access, because when Pastor Brandon is asleep, when you sleep, Prince, when Boomi, when you knocked out, and I can't call on the people I need to call, I can call on Jesus. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be available all the time. Amen. Sometimes I'm going to be asleep. Sometimes I'm going to be caught up. You ain't got to depend on other people. If you are in Christ, you have your own line of communication. You got your own line of access to the father. John 10, 16. Jesus says, and I have other sheep, which are not from this fold. I must tell somebody say must. I must bring these also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock, one shepherd. This was the plan all along. Even when he designated Israel as his people, the plan all along was to include everybody. All they had to do was wait. Now, I'm not saying it was easy because it was a long time. (laughs) They had to wait a long time. But the plan, God's timing. So many times in the scriptures, it says when the fullness of time came, this plan was set out from the beginning, set out from the beginning. He says, I have other sheep which are not from this fold. Don't don't that stir up with you? Imagine being the sheep on the other side of the fold, wondering aimlessly, who's going to save us? Who's going to rescue us? He said, I have other sheep. Just because they weren't a part of his fold, it says, I have sheep. They weren't a part of his fold, but they were still his sheep. He said, I got to go get them and they will hear my voice and they both will become one flock, one shepherd. One flock, one shepherd. Stand to your feet tonight. But this Jesus loves you to no end. You can't even comprehend the love that he has for you. We say this so many times, but if you study other religions, what deity left their abode to take on humanity, to live among humanity, to get up on a cross and die, and crucified, and willingly subject himself to humiliation and shame, what deity do you know did that? If you go down the list, you will find none other than Jesus himself. I can't serve any other God. I can't. What other God has demonstrated love to this degree? The answer is none. If you are in need of this love, if you are in need of salvation, if you are in need of this relationship, I want you to text the number that's on the screen. It should be on the screen right now. Text transform to nine four zero zero zero. You know you need to be saved. You know you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't wait. I'm telling y'all, people are dropping day after day after day after day. And don't be so prideful to think that it can't be you. I am not guaranteed to see tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed. We're not guaranteed to see the next five minutes. Neither are you. So if you know in your heart, you do not know Jesus Christ and the pardon of your heart, please, please text that number now. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you subscribe so that you can continue to be empowered by the latest podcast. For more information on Transformation Christian Fellowship, visit our website at transformationchristianfellowship.org or download our free mobile app, on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to 77977. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.